0: Welcome to Brazilian Politics, podcast where three political analysts talk about all things Brazilian politics. In today's episode, we will discuss the aftermath of the attack on candidate Jair Bolsonaro, and we will also discuss new polls that have come out recently. Welcome to Brazilian Politics. I'm Michael Lopez. I'm here with Lucas and Thiago Aragão, how are you guys doing? Hello, guys.
1: Good
2: morning. Hello, everyone. Good morning.
0: Well, obviously, this week we have a very important subject to discuss. Um, Last Thursday, leading PSL candidate Jair Bolsonaro was brutally attacked while campaigning in the streets of Juiz de Fora, Minas Gerais. He was uh, stabbed in the abdomen by an attacker uh, since the attack, he's been in the hospital in intensive care. He's been undergoing surgeries. It looks like he will come out of it and recover. But undoubtedly, this event has a huge impact on the electoral race. I wanted to get an, an idea from you guys of how this changes the dynamic of the election.
1: Michael, it was a bizarre, surreal event in this already aggressive and, and very polarized uh, presidential election in Brazil that showcases how the country is is, is divided among narratives and, and messages and how there is a sense of of, of lack of, of respect for for the other side and how a lot of of political views in Brazil want to impose their 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 ideas in in, in such a a divided country. I think the the main effect, in this of this attack is that all candidates will have to completely change uh, their strategy for the rest of the campaign especially candidate from the PSTB, the former governor of Sao Paulo Geraldo Alckmin in in the beginning of the television ads which began on August 31 so in the first week he was heavily attacking Jair Bolsonaro on on TV and on radio and because of the attack he suspended uh, these attacks. So it's uh, something that will impact directly the strategy of the, the candidates, especially of Geraldo Alckmin.
2: Yes, and, and it was a horrific attack. It was something very different from what Brazilians are used to. Uh, there's, it's an attack full of symbolism, There's also a big question mark from the police whether the attacker was a lone wolf or whether he was involved with uh, other people in order to perform the attack. But the main point is that, uh, yes, it really changes the dynamic of the campaign. Uh, Even the strategy of Bolsonaro himself, the month of September was to be a particularly... uh, Tough month for for Bolsonaro. Obviously, he didn't expect how difficult this month would be. um, But electorally, this is the month that he had basically zero exposition uh, previewed for himself. And despite in the most terrible manner, he is being... His, his exposition this month is completely uh, different than what he expected. From eight seconds TV time a day, which was his available time, he jumped to be almost 24 hours a day in, in the news. And this is something that uh, really mobilized part of his followers you can see bolsonaro's followers throughout the country being more active in their defense of the candidate, being more vocal in the defense of the candidate, and this is something that is going to keep on going until the end of the elections. We're going to see a much more uh presidential c- campaign of bolsonaro's voters than we have seen so far
0: yeah the the virality of the attack was very uh impressive. I mean just just minutes. Uh, after the attack, there were several videos of the incident. Um, they were being distributed on, on WhatsApp and social media in Brazil at a, at an incredibly high speed. And uh, Thiago, you're right. The Bolsonaro is, has been on television in Brazil for basically 24 hours a day since the attack. Uh, and while it, it's not the best circumstance, it does keep him in the mind of the electorate. And I would just add another point that piggybacks on what Lucas was saying is that all, all the candidates that were engaging in attacks on Bolsonaro have to rethink their strategy because it, it's a very emotional thing to see a candidate attacked horrifically um, on television and also on just videos from cell phones of people who were at the rally. And it, it becomes electorally dangerous for you to criticize uh, a candidate that is currently lying in an intensive care unit bed uh, getting medical attention for a possibly life-threatening uh, attack. So I, I think we'll see Bolsonaro spared from uh, verbal attacks like we were seeing earlier in the campaign. Um, and we'll also just constantly see Bolsonaro on TV with the, the news and the media heavily covering his uh, recovery efforts uh, from intensive care.
1: Michael, just two points. It's uh, funny. Uh, I would say not. I would say it's worrying more than, than funny. But during the the attacks, the social media uh, that the the university in in São Paulo FGV monitored, around fifty four percent of the social media uh, mentions for the attacks said that it might have been a fake attack, which is something that shows how uh, polarized and how fake news impacts this election. On on yesterday's poll, Ibopi poll, 85% of the, of the interviewers said that uh, they believe fake news will influence this election. One third uh, said that rarely or never they check if an information that they receive is truthful or not. So this is another variable that comes with the, the advance of technology and social media in Brazil.
2: Yeah, the the, the strategy of the candidates, it's going to be something that uh, might even hit on that. Uh, although no one will doubt the, the truthfulness of the attack, what we're going to see is, is trying to associate Bolsonaro's aggressive message of promoting some sort of uh, hate speech towards certain groups, or the the, the uh, or, or weapons being used by civilians, uh, might be used by other candidates, and particularly by Adad and, and Alkmin, as a, a tool to since they cannot through obvious reasons, at, at least in this moment, attack directly Bolsonaro because he is in the bed of the hospital, they can attack one of the central ideas of Bolsonaro, which is uh, his narrative of very aggressive and, and violent actions against uh, specific groups in Brazil. So this is something that can be used as a strategy in the strategy in the short term.
0: And it's something that it's something that we saw very early on. Um, I, I know that uh, candidates will suspend their verbal attacks, but in the in the very early aftermath of the attack, we saw uh, some people uh, from the PT. There was a, a a social media person from the PT who on Twitter said something to the extent that, Oh, Bolsonaro uh, got what he deserved because whoever spreads hate will get hate, or something like that. This person. It
2: was former President Dilma who said that.
0: And and Dilma also implied that this 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 marketing uh, staffer from the PT was was then fired by the PT, which I think uh, shows that that the party's strategy will be to refrain from making these attacks at least so early on. But you're right, Dilma, in her first interview that she gave. Uh, that's exactly what she implied.
1: And, Michael, I disagree uh, with with one of your points uh, regarding the, the, the attacks uh, and the strategy of the candidates. I think that, of course, they have suspended the attacks in the immediate aftermath, but I believe that they might come back a little earlier than expected, especially uh, with the rejection rate of Bolsonaro, according to the polls yesterday, continue to be high. Uh, I believe that the attacks that Alckmin was uh, conducting against bolsonaro might come back in maybe a week or two uh in the in the following in the following days
2: yeah and, and th- this is a this is a very good point indeed because if this happens if we see this anticipation of attacks targeting again bolsonaro um it's going to be very hard for him to to leave the the area of the bandwidth of votes that he has at the moment because um, the the effect of the attacks that Alkmin was making against him before the attack was something that was really working according to the polls. Um, but I think yes, I think that as soon as the candidates resume attacking Bolsonaro, we're going to see a more. Um, we're going to see responses in the same level back from him, and we're also going to see his campaign accusing the other candidates of being too soon in this sort of attacks against him while he's in the hospital.
0: I think it, it, it's clear now, at least, that that the main narrative of this election, at least for this week, is is re- revolving around Bolsonaro. Um, so my my question to you now is, where does that leave the PT? Because the PT had a very strong narrative early in this election, which was, you know, the legal battles of Lula um, and and the PT strategy of using this victimization of Lula or this political persecution uh, of Lula to transfer votes to Haddad. What does the Bolsonaro narrative now do to the PT narrative? Where will they go from here?
2: Well, the, the PT narrative was one that was always centralized on a, on a hypothetical injustice against former President Lula. And this was the parallel story that kept going with the election all the time. The story of the election was the election itself and the parallel tale of Lula. Right now, we have a different parallel tale, which is the health of Bolsonaro. And this was terrible for the PT because the tale of injustice around Lula uh, is beginning to vanish. Second, PT's narrative is a narrative that they try to bring nostalgia to the voters, nostalgia of the days that Lula was president and they were able to achieve things that theoretically they cannot do it anymore. This change in speech right now, they will have to attack Bolsonaro as an individual. Some of Bolsonaro's ideas... And this is something that might be a little bit too late for them to do it, because the initial strategy of the PT to cultivate the name of Lula farther than imagined might harm them at the end because of the lack of exposition of the name of Adad.
1: Well, my take is that, and I've said this before on on other podcasts, the, the PT is delaying. Haddad's uh, confirmation, which will, will will probably now be a little bit quicker uh, because of how Ciro is advancing in the polls and just because there's no way out. But I think the main strategy of the PT is to keep Lula alive in order, in order to energize the base and to keep their number one priority alive, which is to elect congressmen. Because to elect congressmen is an ethos of a party, meaning that with Congressman elected, you have access to the party fund, you have access to TV time, and you have access to pork barreling, whoever you have to pork barrel in four years. And with Lula still in the imaginarium of the population as a candidate, in the public opinion perceived as a candidate, the longer this lasts, the longer the base is energized, the longer we have a a possibility of seeing the PT elect congressman. So I think this was the strategy all along, and I think it worked. Now it begins a new phase with Haddad as candidate of the PT, and the narrative will be the same. Lula is a political prisoner, there was a coup, and the PT is the only one capable of helping the, the ones in most need in the, in the country.
0: Thank you. Thank you for that, Lucas. Um, I think uh, we can move on to, to the poll, specifically the Datafolha poll, that was released last night. Um, I wanted to get your, your your take on the poll. The one thing I would say is that uh, the, the poll did present some important information about exactly this transfer of votes from Lula to Hadaji. I think we, we're beginning to see Haddadji uh, get a, an uptick in, in the polls, make some important gains. Um, is there anything from the data poll that surprised you?
2: Michael, um, the general expectation around the poll was the, how the voter would treat the attack on Bolsonaro and if this would convert to support for candidate Bolsonaro. This is something that we haven't seen uh, strongly as many imagined. And so I think that the lack of growth of Bolsonaro could could be treated as a surprise. Second, the growth of rejection in Bolsonaro is something that is also an important take from this poll. And Bolsonaro's rejection rate uh, reaching around 44% is high. It inhibits a further growth. And third, I would say that the fact that he is losing to almost every candidate in the second uh, round is astonishing. And it's something that indicates the lack of conviction of the voter towards specific candidates.
0: Uh, Lucas before we get your read on the poll I just wanted to highlight that this data poll poll released last night was conducted on the 10th that was the collection period for for this poll
1: Well my I have some 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 points to to mention I think the the big winners of the of the um, of the poll were the candidates in the left Ciro Gomes and Haddad and the greatest loser was also candidate in the left Marina, we start seeing the shifting of votes in that uh, ideological side of the battle. I think the main obstacle now for Haddad, since his campaign started a little bit later than the others, is to uh, get the votes that have been naturally going to uh, Ciro Gomes. In the Northeast, Haddad grew uh, well, he grew around eight points in the Northeast. But so did Ciro. Uh, He grew around six points in the Northeast. And Ciro has uh, the lead in the region with almost 20% of the votes. So Haddad will have to overcome this obstacle. Marina lost a lot of votes in the Northeast. She went from 19 to 11. So the Northeast, which represents 27% of the votes, is where the battle for the leftist Candidate will be the fiercest today. Cyril has the lead, but I think that with time, Haddad will uh, have the 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 bigger chances of leading in the region and being the strongest strongest candidate in 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 this side of the ideological spectrum. I think the poll was not bad, but also not good for Alchemy. He did not grow uh, past his. Uh, area of around 10%, but he has shown more comfortable wins in the second round, especially against Bolsonaro, which can be an argument uh, later on the, the, the poll, later on the election, sorry, uh, for, uh, t- to bring votes to him in order to try to reach the second round. So I think Bolsonaro has its, his two fo- foots in the second round. He's in a comfortable position to go into the second round. His spontaneous votes went from 15 to 20, but his rejection rate, as Chago mentioned, makes him sort of a Marine Le Pen candidate. Very strong in the first round, not a favorite in the second.
0: I, I think we actually have a, a few candidates in this weird uh, first round versus second round paradox uh, type of situation. We have Bolsonaro, who is clearly uh, leading. He's the closest to making it to the second round. But he's a candidate who, because of his high rejection rating, has trouble in the second round. Um, And then on the other hand, we have uh, somebody like Marina Silva, who has a very uh, poor performance in the first round. She has a low amount of TV time and, and doesn't really have a convincing narrative. Um, in both the the datafolia poll and the BTG poll that came out earlier on Monday, she lost five points but she's a candidate who is stronger in the second round so it's uh it, there are these weird uh, paradoxical scenarios where a candidate can be weak in the first round and strong in the second round and I think the, the same goes for alchemy who who, like I said, this wasn't a great poll for him. Uh, it also wasn't terrible, but the second round simulations for him are, are better than the first round situation.
2: I think we can also bring in from, from this poll that uh, the electorate is starting to understand that Lula will not be allowed to run. Uh, and this is a very good piece of information for the, the health of the campaign as a whole. Uh, his spontaneous mentions decreased from 20% to 9%, and this is very strong. Um, we are also seeing that some of his votes are being transferred to Fernando Haddad. Uh, in late August, for example, from from late August until now, Haddad gained uh, five points in stimulated mentions, which is more than any other candidate. But we also see uh, the fact that Alckmin... Uh, has not produced the result that he expected with the massive TV time that he has. He has forty-four percent of all available electro ad time, but he continues to have trouble, and his gains have been very small. Uh, though he performs well in a hypothetical second round,
1: that is true. Uh, however, I would like to to do a little paradox of of glass. Half empty, half full. Alcoming has indeed not uh, grown past his ten percent. The very bad news for him regarding this datafolia poll is that the number of voters that uh, did not, that doesn't have, don't have a candidate that are undecided uh, fell in the last two weeks from twenty-eight percent to twenty-two percent, which is a number uh, that is kind of comparable to the last elections. In, in Brazil. So we could have a already a crystallization there, uh, a, a, a solidification of the undecided voter uh, who, who might not vote or might make their vote blank or no. And even with this, with this decrease from 28 to 22, Alchemy was unable to, uh, to, to get a part of these votes. The good news for Alchemy, another good news for Alchemy. In this in this poll uh, regard other than the second round simulation is that his rejection has been constantly decreasing. It was 21% uh, in, in April to 27 in June and uh, 26 in August and now 22 in September. And this could might, this could be a, a, a sign that as his rejection rates go down, in the horizon, some votes could pop up to, to, to his name.
0: Thank you, Lucas. I uh, want to thank both of you for a very fruitful discussion. Obviously, there are a lot of moving parts to this election. The good news is that we will be back next week on Tuesday with more discussions about Brazilian politics. Thank you, and we'll see you next week.
2: Thank you, everyone. Thanks.